1: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen.
2: On today's show... We preview a huge game against the Miami Heat on the road for the Hornets.
0: Matt Rochinski from Hornets.com joins us, and we're
2: talking about practice. We talk more Hornets and more Hornets practice before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on, Hornets. You are Locked On, Locked On, Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker.
2: Oh, Douglas. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. Well, we're halfway through the week, and the Hornets have a two-game winning streak, and they play Miami tonight, and we have a fantastic show ahead. We've got uh, some sound from practice. We're going to preview the Miami Heat with the help of our friend Matt Rochinski from Hornets.com. Uh, so we've got a lot to, to talk about in this show. And again, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. And in fact, to uh, preview the Heat, I decided to tune into Locked On Heat uh, with mm-hmm. uh, David Ramil and, uh, and Wes and the gang over there. And it just... Like I said, this, this network just has great insight on each team. It's a, it's a cool way, even if you listen to the first five minutes of the Heat podcast, you're going to get something, a little nugget to take with you into the game. It's a really cool thing.
2: That's good. We don't do anything in the first five minutes here, but theirs is good in the first five minutes.
0: <laughs> well, here's something we're going to do in the first five minutes. Talk about a few things that we forgot to say or maybe ran out of time and did not get a chance to say. These are very important things uh, that uh, missed that hit the cutting room floor on yesterday's show. Uh, first of all, I don't think I talked enough about the defensive intensity that the Hornets have shown uh, lately, but especially against the Indiana Pacers the other night, um, their defense—we've talked about it. Their defense has gotten a lot better just overall. They've they've been able to hold teams down a little bit and uh, you know limit some of the three-point shots that the other team gets. But uh, I, I just have to point out the performances from a few players that are not traditionally known for being defensively intense, like Nick Batum, who had. Five deflections, according to the NBA.com stats page. Marco Bellinelli only credited with one, but I thought even he was jumping into passing lanes, uh, cutting off uh, cutting off drives, cutting off passes, and preventing the Pacers from moving the ball effectively. So I just got to hand it to the Hornets and their ability to uh, crank up the defense when they needed to.
2: Yeah, so you think in the fourth quarter or overall? Because, I mean, the... the um... Just to play devil's advocate, the Pacers have not been good in the fourth quarter. You know, especially when they're down, they did shoot a lot of jumpers, and some of that had to do with the Hornets kind of lulling them into that, I guess, or forcing them. You know, uh, they mentioned on that broadcast, going back to the players-only broadcast that we talked about, the Hornets don't foul a lot. Of course, something we've highlighted. So, um, uh, yeah, do you think that had? I mean, you know, was it some Pacers, some Hornets, or is it something that you have kind of seen? I guess you've seen it though. I mean, the energy has been better since we got back from All Star break.
0: All right, um, the Hornets got a rare chance to practice yesterday. So, um, yeah, let's talk about some practice.
2: We talking about
1: practice. We will be perfect. Perfection. <laughs> Perfection in every aspect of the game. What are we talking about? Practice. 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 practice.
0: So, obviously, the Hornets are playing a lot better now than they were maybe a week, week and a half ago. And I think the question on everyone's mind is, What's changed? What what has what signaled uh, this
1: better play? And that question
0: was posed to Steve Clifford. Here he
1: is. You know, whatever we got our legs back under us a little bit, and um, our defense has been better. Uh, like I was looking this morning, I think over the last twenty games, we're back to like eighth or ninth in defense. You know, which was why we had a good record early It's why we struggled in the middle. So. As much as anything, uh, I would say we're doing better with that.
0: So, is it as simple as that, David, just getting the defense uh, back in order?
2: It always comes down to defense with this team, I think. So, you mentioned it, seeing it against the Pacers, and a little bit uh, coming after the All-Star break. But, yeah, I mean, it's all about defense for this team. That's the thing that's going to sustain them. I mean, even though the shooting's gotten better uh, as of late, they've still got to rely on that defense. It's just tough, man. I mean, um, you know, it's tough to carry that for for multiple years in a row, it feels like, with the same group, especially when you've got a group has, as worn down as this one.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, with the, with the injuries that they sustained, although I, I will say that during that same practice session, Steve Clifford mentioned that Ramon Sessions was able to get out there and do a little mm. something. So it could be a signal uh, that they will, will start to get some players back. No word yet on Miles Plumley's. Status, but I don't believe he practiced, and until he does that, you know, you're not going to get really any solid indication as as to when he will return. And then, of course, uh, Frank Kaminsky, we're dealing with, um, you know, maybe a week, uh, maybe two weeks timeline looks like. Uh, so we'll give you updates on that when we have them. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions about, and we always get these questions, David. When you have D league call ups or guys that are signed to 10 day contracts, is, you know, will Clifford give these players an opportunity to show uh, uh, what they have? You know, try to find that diamond in the rough. And uh, Clifford, we've talked about it, is a little reticent, or not reticent to play young players, but he certainly has, uh, uh, you know, preferential treatment or deference to veteran players and there's a lot of questions as to why that is Clifford addressed it uh, in in reference to Johnny O'Brien who's played well over his 10-day contract here's Clifford on that
1: the number one thing that the young players have to understand is is get up to speed with the team things you know be good with organization so it's coverages on defense it's talking early it's being good with the team things and the same thing offensively it's screening, uh, particularly for Kemba and Nick, Marco and Jeremy Lamb, so they get more separation, knowing the sets. And the and the quicker that these guys get up to speed on that stuff, then the better they have a chance to play. David, we
0: often focus on you know some of those box score numbers. So mm-hmm. Johnny O'Brien mm-hmm. scores 15 points in 15 minutes. That's impressive. He knocks down a three unexpectedly. That's impressive. But when we're talking about Will this guy get more playing time? Will he get a chance to show what he can do? Those aren't necessarily the things that Steve Clifford is looking for according to that, you know, soundbite. He's looking for the small details. And do they have a yep. grasp of those small details?
2: And that shouldn't be a surprise, right? I mean, we've he- we've heard him talk about guys who have had you know good scoring nights and not exactly in glowing fashion right like when he's asked about it after the game hey so-and-so had 15 points tonight. he's like yeah okay yeah I mean, you know, okay yeah he, he scored 15 points so yeah that's definitely not what Clifford's looking for but I think that's good news for Johnny O'Brien right I mean we talked about that little touch pass he threw the other night just his feel for the game, he looks more comfortable. And, like, you brought up Toby a lot when he was in there, and just he did not look like that. Like, he, he was, it didn't look like he was in the right place. You know, screens are sometimes tough to set, especially for young big guys in the NBA. So um, I think, you know, Johnny O'Brien's done well for himself, don't you? I mean, don't you get that feel that he's a little more comfortable than some of the other guys we've seen?
0: A little bit, but, you know, he's now he's on this second 10-day contract and he has to show – that he can, you know, really get get into his homework and figure out how this team is constructed right. offensively and defensively, and show because there were a couple of moments even in that Pacers game where, you know, Marvin had to direct him where to go, uh, where he thought he was supposed to set a screen, but really they wanted him to space the floor, you know, different things like that. And the reason that Steve Clifford and you you can like this or not like this, but here's the reason that Steve Clifford is more. Uh, Apt to use a veteran over a younger player like a Johnny O'Brien. It's because um, these veterans pick up on things quicker. He mentioned Courtney Lee later in that soundbite that Courtney Lee came in and within a couple of days knew everything about what the Hornets were running offensively and uh, could, he knew exactly where to be on defense as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the things that Clifford is looking for and. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking at his performance against the Miami Heat, those should be the things that you're looking for. Does he look comfortable? Does he look like he knows where he's supposed to be? Is he bumping into guys on offense, you know, and and disrupting sets? Because, this, again, I said it in the last show, these sets are all about timing. And and this, is, this team, even more than a lot of other teams, is so pick-and-roll focused on offense. I mean, they don't really have – an isolation game to speak of at all they don't do a lot of spot up shooting it's a lot of pick and roll uh, a little bit of roll man a lot of ball handler and you've just got to know where to be and when to set these screens and Cody Zeller is a big example of that um, but luckily David uh, Johnny O'Brien is leaning on some of the veterans on the team. It's a very savvy move. You want to you want to pick their brain. You want to go to the source of uh, where this organization is coming from, and a lot of that is Marvin Williams, and Johnny O'Brien talked about that at practice as well.
2: You know, starting in Milwaukee, you know, when I was there, I tried to, you know, find a vet that would help me, you know, I I had out there, and um, Jared Dudley, and then when I got to Denver, you know, Mike Miller was there, and then obviously here Marvin, um, some of the guys like Kimball, you know, they've been, you know, just um, – You know, just helping me, trying to, you know, help me get the terminology
0: and,
1: you know, how to just stay a professional. So,
0: and that's it. I mean, you know, staying professional and doing your homework, picking the brains of the other players. And then when it comes to game time, and that's it's honestly a little comforting to know that your coach. Uh, i think understands okay 15 points one night 0 of 4 the next night but it's not about that i mean you obviously need to put the ball in the cup but you know if you go over 4 you know kimba walker and nick batum they're going to shoulder the load on offense
2: yeah you know yeah. your your I mean,
0: contributions are icing on the cake
2: yeah, and I, you know, we have to temper our expectations too, right? He had such a good uh, opening game for the Hornets, and it's just like he's not going to do that every night, and so he's got to settle in a little bit. But I think it's all good. I mean, you just have to look for progress and more things going right on the floor than not a lot of times. So, and uh, I mean, Doug, we should be honest. We're not at practice, right? So, like a lot of the stuff they see in practice oh, yeah. goes a long way too, right? So we just see what happens on the floor in the game. But just the fact that he's getting in, yes, it has to do with the you know the thinness of that position, but um they feel comfortable enough putting him in anyway. I mean, their hand is forced a little bit, but he's it feels like he's going to continue to get some of those minutes because of the work he's putting in and practice.
0: Absolutely, got a chance to chat with Matt Rochinski from Hornets.com to get his thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets' sudden gear shift into winning basketball, and uh, we posed the same question that uh, was posed to Steve Clifford: What's changed?
3: Well, I think the biggest takeaway from this win against the Pacers is this team is obviously not given up on anything yet. There's still a playoff push to be had here. This team still has its eyes on trying to get to the postseason, despite this huge uh, gap that we had there, where we were having a hard time picking up any sort of a win. You know, over the course of that 11-12 games, it was you know a, a brutal stretch for us. We're all aware of it, but these guys are still sticking with it. They could have folded and could have walked away, but you know we start off the after the All Star break with that road trip and go three and three you could have very easily been four and two uh, on that trip possibly even five and one if you look at that Detroit game that was just uh, a tough loss there but for them to return home with the slate of games that we have coming up in March with some very winnable games this thing is not completely over yet it's not out of reach and the guys are playing like it right now and they they want to try and get there
0: and the Hornets are looking like the team that we saw in November. They are playing better in terms of fourth quarter defense, but they're also making baskets in crunch time, uh, baskets that they need to put away teams uh, like Denver and like Indiana. Uh, what's been the big change uh, from uh, you know just a, just a week ago? It seems like, and, and this team has really turned a corner.
3: I think the biggest change right now is that all season long, you know, we've seen Kemba really carry this team early on. And then, you know, Nick had to step up a little bit when when Kemba hit his little bit of a slide there after being named to the all-star team. You know, it was, he had kind of hit a little bit of a wall himself, it felt like. This right now is really the first time all season long that you're seeing Kemba and Nick play consistent basketball good together. We knew at the beginning of the season that's what it was going to take if this team wanted to get back to the playoffs. That's why we brought Nick back and gave him the kind of a contract that he received these two guys have to have the kind of production that they're having right now if we want to win basketball games. And with both of them scoring over 20 points a game, it's been proven you know, that this team is 8-1 and one right now when both Kemba and Nick score 20 points apiece or more uh, in, in any given game. So to have them both on the same page, playing well at the same time, uh, yesterday it was kind of Nick early and Kemba late, but however you get it, if both those guys can put those kind of numbers up, this will be a tough tough team to beat
0: they've also gotten some surprise performances uh reminiscent of what troy daniels gave them last season in johnny o'brien who scores 15 against denver and then had a tough shooting night against indiana but found some other ways to contribute tell us about johnny o'brien what kind of player has he been on and off the court since joining the charlotte hornets
3: well, I'll tell you what, you've got to love a guy like a Johnny O'Brien who comes in here. These guys are on 10 day contracts and you know, every time a guy comes in here on a 10 day contract, they say the same thing. They realize that their time is very short that they have in order to try and make an impact or show what they can do for some guys that chance never even comes in a regular season game because they're really more practice players helping guys, you know, just get ready for games. But for Johnny O'Brien, he had his opportunity. When the opportunity came up, when Frank Kaminsky went down, with how beat up our bigs have been, we needed Johnny O'Brien to start playing. And we saw that he really stepped in a couple games ago and had that fifteen points in fifteen minutes and just really brought energy when he was when he stepped out on the court. And kind of like when Cody returned, and you know, we talked we've talked all season long about the energy that Cody brings to this team and how it's just a different team when he's on the court. When you've got a young guy out there playing that hard you can't help but see the other guys on the court get elevate their game as well. It's almost like they're inspired by a guy who's, you know, biding his time on a 10-day contract, just hoping to stick around in the league. But the effort that he's put forth has kind of elevated the effort of everyone else around him. And that's one thing that Coach Clifford even pointed out, that when you put a young kid in like that who's got something to prove and something to show, it's also important how he factors in with the guys that are around him. And he's really been a good fit on this team. And, And guys like Kemba are getting him the ball, and they're not afraid to kind of lean on this kid when he's getting it.
0: They will certainly need his added physicality and athleticism on the boards against the Miami Heat. Very dangerous team in the Eastern Conference right now. They go on a 13-game winning streak prior to the All-Star break, and they've been 4-2 and since the break. What makes Miami such a dangerous uh, game right now for the Charlotte Hornets?
3: Well, I mean, it starts inside, obviously, with Hassan Whiteside. You know, there are very few centers that are like that kid in the NBA. And I say kid because he still is just a young kid. But, I mean, to be a team that's built around a center that's performing as well as he can and then kind of has a bunch of outside shooters who can knock down threes outside on the perimeter, they're a typical four-out, one-in roster, you know, and, and and that's something that we saw from the Hornets last year in the playoffs. I hate to bring us back to that because that was so utterly painful to sit there and watch, you know, it was such a tough, tough out. It was great to be there, but such a tough out. I hate whenever we play Miami, I just, they've become probably my most despised team in the NBA strictly for that reason. But, you know, they're going to have to come out and you've got to make sure you've got one or two guys on Hassan Whiteside. You've got to make sure you've got great positioning because that kid in the paint is absolutely tremendous. And just knowing the spots and being able to kind of overpower anyone who's on him. The good news is Cody's healthy and Cody can kind of at least get under his skin. We've seen that in the playoffs. We've seen that already this year, especially early in the season. There's something about the way that Cody plays against Hassan that really seems to kind of drive him a little crazy, and hopefully that'll be effective.
0: Matt Rochinski, Hornets.com. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: No problem, man. Thanks a lot.
0: So tip-off is set for 7.30 in Miami. The Heat started the year off 11 and 30 after a slew of injuries, David. Uh, it threatened to doom their season, but they got some production from a few unexpected places. They got a few guys back and healthy, and they went on a run, pretty much opposite of how the Hornets' season has gone so far. And now they sit a game and a half above the Hornets in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. You just heard from Matt Rochinski there. Uh, how big is this matchup tonight?
2: Oh, it's massive? The Heat can't it. It's the biggest in the world. No, Doug, let me ask you this. Is there any question that the Heat, if not the biggest rival of the Hornets, the most annoying? I mean, this is supposed to be their down year. This is supposed to be the year the Hornets got a little, you know, glimmer of hope to maybe overtake them and maybe, you know, at least challenge for the for the Southeast Division. It's just that they can't stop winning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they're winning so much they're getting tired of winning. Um, No, it it was probably the most disheartening moment of the season, apart from that Phoenix defeat. Um, Seeing the Miami Heat, who struggled so mightily to begin the season, overtake the Hornets in the standings. And, you know, these teams, they've already played twice. They just know each other so well. And I think that's where... Uh, the rivalry comes from, and that's why when you see these teams play, uh, it's like they know each other's sets by heart. Uh, it's it, that's why it turns physical. That's why it's low scoring, and uh, you know, you you get a little bit of that animosity. Not you know, not because one player did this or this guy said this, but just because these teams know each other so well and they frustrate one another.
2: And I didn't even think about. it. I guess it's been a while since they uh, since they matched up, but I forgot about. The Cody Zeller uh, White side angle, you know, he he definitely gets under his skin. I mean, that, that, so they they'll be happy to see each other. It feels like they haven't, you know, had the dance to dance the two step in quite a while. here.
0: Yeah, and you can take Asan Whiteside mentally out of a game, and the Hornets oh, have been yeah. able to do that in the past. And uh, interesting note: in their last five losses, Asan Whiteside has scored under twenty points. Now. Hassan Whiteside can score under 20 and they can win. It's not it's not necessary for him to score 20. In fact, Hassan Whiteside has taken kind of a secondary, sometimes tertiary role in terms of scoring on this Miami Heat team and that hasn't been a problem, but I think step 1 in defeating the Heat is turning Hassan Whiteside into an average scorer because when he's when he does score 20 or more, it's it's it, it's a big factor in, in them winning mm-hmm. the basketball game. So I think that's got to be a focus. It will be a focus for this Hornets team, and it's just fortunate that they have Cody Zeller back.
2: Also fortunate, I think they're playing at home. I mean, I think, you know, these guys feel more comfortable at home. I wish it was on national TV, dog, that they, 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 play, they play their best in front of a national audience. But I'll tell you what, the other night, I don't know if you went back and watched any of that. They had um, Kemba mic'd up. And you know, he's always energized and stuff, but he was ready to go in that game. And and maybe it's because of on national TV, but I get the feeling after the All-Star break he's come back re-energized and and uh and pumped up and he's talking a lot more, it feels like. Um he's not always mic'd up, so it's it, you know, it's small sample size as they say, but that's the energy they need to have because the Heat do well um in the fourth quarter against teams and that's where the, the Hornets have really struggled as of late. So if it comes down to a game in the fourth quarter, the Hornets gonna to have to do something they haven't done, which is which is try and close out a good team here. Like I said, that they can't lose.
0: I did I did uh get a chance to watch it and our friend and producer, Captain Kurt, pulled some bites. I didn't I, I'm pulling these into my little software that I use to to drop these drops. So here are the four that that uh, Catherine Kurt decided were the best drops from Kimba's mic'd up. Here we go. Uh, number four. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> number three. Yes. Yeah.
1: Lambeau! Yeah, Lambo. Yeah, Lambo. That was
2: a good
0: one. Uh, number two. Who the DJ? Y'all know? I'm not ranking Those, these in any yeah. particular order, but I would put that as <laughs> yeah. number one. Let me listen to that, that was, again. That was, that was, that who the DJ? Pre-game? Y'all know? Who the DJ? I
2: didn't they know. Should know who, they should know. who the DJ. Is.
0: That's got to be in the pregame notes. That's gotta be with the scouting report. <laughs> it's like, you know, Paul George loves to back down and also it's DJ Skrills. Uh yeah. all right, here we go. Number one. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
2: <laughs> that sounded like KG in Area Twenty One when they're he and Karan Butler every time they're ranking their like best uh best duos. <laughs> First of all, okay, just give back to that for a second. They uh, I laugh when they're like, I gotta go Kobe Shaq, best duo ever. I'm like, well, <laughs> they had a bit of a falling out.
0: <laughs> well, they didn't say they, that was most talented. They didn't necessarily no, no. say, you know.
2: Well, they landed on uh, MJ and Scotty. Um I mean, listen, so some of the
0: some of the worst marriages are very passionate.
2: It's they true. Just, I mean, they did. They got three rings out of it, so you know it was good. Um, hey, um, um, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say that. Uh, I've, you know, we talked about the Pacers game, and now we've talked about it twice because we talked about it yeah. at the top of the show, too, and we still haven't mentioned <laughs> we that. We talk
2: about wins. We talk <laughs> about wins for as long as we can.
0: Well, we, well, we still haven't mentioned that Paul George had, had an amazing game, uh, and, mm-hmm. and it was against MKG primarily. I just feel so bad for MKG because his like if you look at his defensive stats on Synergy, there's a lot of like average and a little bit of below-average kind of numbers in terms of points per possession when he's on defense. But I... I feel like some of that is is definitely he's regressed a little bit defensively, but at the same time, night after night he guards the best player, and I feel like he's had a. Yeah. I mean, some of those shots that Paul George was hitting, it's mm-hmm. like MKG did everything right, and yeah. Paul George was knocking it down.
2: Yeah, he's guarding the best offensive players on the planet night in night out. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's not a lot of consolation for people that. I've been frustrated with MKG or, you know, his lack of performance. But i tell you what, I was surprised at him on the offensive end or, or pleasantly surprised by his offensive performance in that game. I mean, pretty solid. I think he had, what, 10 points or so. I can pull that up right here, Doug. But I think he, he was aggressive, hit a couple of jumpers, and um, and also chipped in on the rebounds as well. I mean, that's the thing. He, he's contributing in some areas that actually show up in the box score now, and he's healthy. Yeah, so eleven and thirteen on four of eight shooting. I mean, you'll take that.
0: All right, let's shift gears back to this uh, Miami Heat preview. Uh, you know, this is a it's a different Heat team than than people will remember from uh, the playoff series. And it's a little bit of a different team since the last time they've played, just because they've they have sustained so so many injuries, including uh, to Justice Winslow, who's out for the year with a torn labrum injury. Uh, Hornets fans very familiar with that injury from MKG. Uh, Josh McRoberts out for the year. Uh, Johnson and Johnson, the Johnson Bros. Tyler Johnson, James Johnson, uh, both of them listed as questionable for this game, and they missed the last one against the Cleveland Cavaliers. A game, <laughs> a game that the Heat won in, uh, in, in almost in a rout. Uh, Cleveland made a, a strong push there at the end, but. Uh, they've uh, they, they played excellently the past two games, and a lot of it is because of their defense, and Clifford mentioned that at practice.
1: They have a defensive mentality, and I think that's why they've played so well, so consistently. They're six in defense. And the guys will tell you, I kept telling them, as you're watching film, the team that was getting better and improving the most was them.
0: Uh, absolutely defensive mentality from the heat, but they 've also added the three point shot this season and it 's come from guys like uh, luke Babbitt it 's come from guys like ronnie magruder it 's come from guys like Dion waiters who uh has just absolutely stepped up his game he he 's in a little bit of a slump right now um, but that 's my key to the game is to you know I think zeller's going to do a a good job on Hassan Whiteside historically has done that. But I think they have to focus in on containing Dion Waiters because he is absolutely deadly this season as a spot-up shooter. Uh, but if you can make him – if you can close out hard and make him dribble one time then he becomes an average offensive player. It's amazing. Like you look at his. I'm really getting into these synergy stats, David. I'm trying to get my money's worth for this month that I paid mm-hmm. for. And if you look at those stats, he he's amazing points per possession as a spot up shooter. Uh, some of the best in the league. But uh, when you make him put the ball on the floor, he turns into an average producer and turns the ball over significantly more. So I think that's one of my keys to the game, David. What are you looking for in this heat game?
2: See, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about, Doug. Deion Waiters, I mean, left for dead, r- realistically speaking, in the NBA, <laughs> and he and he comes in and just like, yeah, you know, almost right. gets into the MVP conversation. They know they know
0: where to they know where to find him. It's Pat Riley. He's a I'm telling you, necromancer.
2: What in the world? Um, well, as much as we talked about defense, again, I think the Hornets have got to continue to shoot the ball well. Um, especially against yeah. against this Heat team, and that's you know that's kind of a, a no brainer, I think, at this point. But it just makes all the difference in the world. And I mean, it, it, sometimes it's simple, right? I mean, Clippers so after a lot of these losses, look, sometimes you know we've got the shots, we have just got to make them. And this season has come down to that a lot of times. These, you know, they're in about every game. There's not a lot of blowouts, especially at home. Uh, you feel like they're going to have a chance to be in this one, so they've got to continue to hit some of these shots. Nick Batum, clearly, we know Kemba. Is going to play well, so um, a little help off the bench always helps too. But that's the biggest thing. They just got got to continue to be effective offensively, and and to do that, they've got to hit some of these outside shots.
0: Well, and I think they've got a good chance to do that because um, if you look at if you look at the heat team, they they play really small. Like there are three guys up front or in the backcourt: Dragic, Waiters, and Rodney Magruder, all come in at six five and under. So Nick Batum's going to have plenty of chances to shoot over the top. And MKG is going to be going up against Magruder most likely. And I think you have you know you got a little veteran versus rookie deal there, so I think MKG can take that guy off the dribble. And then I don't I don't think that Dragic is going to give Kemba too many problems defensively. So you know you've got to just knock down those shots because they are going to have opportunities to do so. Also, mm-hmm. another Heat player to watch out for, David, one that you and I are very familiar with. How about Wayno Drano? Wayne Ellington is lighting the month of March on fire and that's not surprising. He did he did that with uh, the you know the Tar Heels. He likes March. He's a March he player. March. Uh, he's scoring 15.5 points on 53% shooting from beyond the arc. He's become the Miami Heat's de facto 6th man. He's averaging 4.3 makes per game from 3. So Bellinelli, Lamb, Batum, they're going to have to keep up that defensive awareness and defensive intensity that I talked about at the top of the show uh, and that they showed against the Indiana Pacers against Wayno uh, and, and really contain him because he is a scoring threat for this team.
2: Yeah, and I should correct myself. This game is in Miami, so it's not at home. For some reason, I thought this game was at home.
0: Well, you want it to be. And it's yeah, it's a exactly. it's a weird road game because they play their next few at home after this, so it's it's an odd road right. game kind of tossed in there. They but just, yeah,
2: they were just on the road. They were just on the road. I'm telling you, this
0: schedule it. has been brutal. I don't want to make excuses, but this schedule has been especially brutal on the Hornets this season because you had that that big road trip, and then uh, you know you had the a uh, hundred games in thirty days <laughs> back several months yeah. ago. Uh, it's just been crazy. Uh, final note on this game, David. The Hornets have a former Heat player on the roster in Briante Weber. He was interviewed by his fellow teammate and VCU alum Trevion Graham on the Hornets' Instagram page. There doesn't seem to be any love loss between Weber and the Heat.
2: You know, how I feel we be going to go back to Miami after playing it for so long?
0: Next nice question next Whoa.
2: question next next question next you gotta got get them in there gotta get them in
0: hopefully they'll get them in late after a blowout victory <laughs> uh, for the Hornets yeah. alright subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and come back here for a recap tomorrow morning uh, any final thoughts David before we kick this thing out of here
2: yeah, the schedule, Doug, you mentioned that real quick. I mean, it's setting up nicely for some of these games they have to win or that would you know, go a long way in winning because these teams are ahead of them. you got Miami. Uh, they've got an Orlando game on Friday that you need to win. They've got a Pelicans team coming here Saturday, and that's another game you need to win. And then a big one on Monday against Chicago. So, like, if you can build up a couple of these, and especially the ones against Miami and Chicago, teams that are uh, above you, Uh, That's going to work, you know, doubly in your favor. So all these are important regardless, obviously.
0: And you mentioned the game on Saturday. It's a giveaway game, I believe, the MKG uh, starter action figure giveaway. Uh And we're going to have two tickets to give away for this game. So stay tuned. Mm. More information on that tomorrow morning. So – Thanks for listening. That's all the time we have. Oh, actually, I want to mention the standings real quick. So the, the Hornets are a game and a half back of the Heat. So they would pull within yeah. a, a half game of the Heat with a victory. And a lot of teams around them right now winning ballgames. So the Heat have won two in a row. The Bucks have won three in a row. Uh, but the Bulls in eighth place have lost two in a row. The Pacers are falling back a bit. The Hawks, I'm telling you, why, the Hawks right now are five games over five hundred. But they've lost three in a row, and and there's a lot of drama going on in Atlanta. Budenholzer getting suspended one game for hitting a ref, or, or for touching a ref. I should be clear for making contact with a ref, not hitting a ref. Um, and then he uh, Budenholzer in the last game benched uh, against the Warriors, benched Dennis Schroeder uh, for the entire for the rest of the fourth quarter for uh, yeah. arguing with Dwight Howard. So. Yeah. There's a lot of I'm telling you this this playoff race and I'm not even talking about 8th place. I'm not talking about the Hornets sneaking into the playoffs. If they can string together six or seven wins and, and they get some help, you know, I'm not I'm just saying. Just to keep an
2: eye on it. That's all I'm saying. I wish they, I wish they had a little more time. That's all we need just a little more.
0: All right. Well, we're out of time. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to the pod. March is uh, hashtag tripod month, T-R-Y-P-O-D. Basically, it's all about telling a friend how to use a podcast and introducing them to a podcast because apparently half the nation has no idea how to use a podcast or has never listened to a podcast. So um, make sure you're out there telling people not only about our podcast, but just podcast in general, because uh, it's, you know, we love it. It's our medium. And, uh, you know, I think it's the future of uh, sports radio. So there you go. Uh, Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back tomorrow with a full recap of this game in Miami. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Heat. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live
2: on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.